The Walking Dead is back, and so the Sound On Sight Walking Dead podcast is back as well. This week we'll be talking about the mid-season premiere of season four, After, which was written by Robert Kirkman and directed by Greg Nicotero. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the Sound On Sight Walking Dead podcast. This is Kate Kulzik, TV editor over at Sound On Sight, and I'm joined as ever by our illustrious general editor, general editor, Mr. Ricky D. Hello, Kate. And this week, joining us to talk about the mid-season premiere after is Les Chapel from the, the AV Club and from This Was Television and all sorts of other places. Les, welcome to the podcast. Hey, guys. Oh, thanks so much for having me back. Well, before we say anything about this episode, as we always do up at the top here, uh, we're going to mention a couple things. First of all, there will be no spoilers for anything that has not already aired. Ricky has read some of the comics. I have read none of the comics. Les, what is your relationship with the comics? Uh, sort of here and there. I've read a few issues, and I've read a cut. Co- I've read farther enough in some of the in some of the later issues that I know where things are going, but I have not read anything that, anything with any regularity, nor have I read anything in the past few months. So never fear, there will not be spoilers. However, there will be intense spoilers, all of the spoilers for this episode of The, of the Walking Dead. Also, of course, we are affiliated with Sound on Sight. You can find all the lots of great television and film and video games and all sorts of different coverage there, soundonsight.org. Check it out. And if you are want to hear me talk about more television, you can check out our TV podcast, the weekly TV podcast, The Televerse. But let's dive in with After. And I guess let's let's start with you. What did you think of? Uh, where did you leave off with the show with the midseason finale and sort of the end of that string of episodes? What were you expecting with this, and how did it live up to or subvert that? Well, I suppose the best way I can summarize this episode is I thought it was a very good episode of a show that I'm mad that I'm still watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the pro- yeah because uh, the problem is the. With The Walking Dead is one of those shows that I continually go back and forth on. On one hand, I admire so much of the technical execution of the zombies and the way it's able to build horror tension. I admire multiple moments that they're able to hit on the show. But in general, The Walking Dead just annoys me intensely with the way that it has characters doing stupid things for reasons that really don't make any sense. It has cyclical conversations where people just keep debating morality in a way that seems repetitive and frustrating. And frankly, if I didn't have a regular point to watch the show with somebody, I probably would have stopped watching by this point. Well, I, I, yeah, I'm in the not dissimilar place because I would have forgot. I wouldn't be watching this uh, right now. I would not have watched it this week specifically if it were not for the podcast. And Ricky and I almost forgot that it was coming back because I haven't really missed it yet, even though it has been gone. You know, it's been on hiatus. Uh, Ricky, was that the case for you? Would you have, uh, were you remembering that it was airing or did it sort of slip your mind as well? Um, no, we actually totally forgot that the episode was airing this week, that we had to call in Les, our guest, in last night while the episode was airing live. 
totally forgot it was happening. And that's not to say that I actually hate the show. I mean, we do record a podcast in The Walking Dead because we do somewhat enjoy it, but it can be extremely frustrating. And I do agree with Les that sometimes I just feel like I hate the show, but then sometimes I just remember why there are tons of reasons why I do like it. I still do think in many ways it's ahead of its time. And because of the t- it, it is ahead of its time, or at least was, um, it does have a lot of problems. Like I think in the future when we see more of these horror-related genre shows appearing on, on networks like HBO and FX, they are going to be much better. And I think there's a lot of promise for some of the shows that we can expect in, in the upcoming two or three years. But, I mean, the problem with The Walking Dead, and I've been saying this for three years now, Kate, on the podcast, is it's the main character, Rick Grimes. He, he, he's just – it's time for Rick Grimes to go. It's time for him to die. I am fed up with his character. Um, there's a scene in this episode, which I think is hands down the worst scene of the whole entire season. I hate to start off the podcast being negative, but – Oh, please got, go for it. I got a lot of positive things to say for our listeners, though. But there's a scene that is incredibly ridiculous. It's, I think, the worst scene of the whole entire season. It's the scene in which we are supposed to believe that Rick is turning into a zombie, or at least Carl is supposed to believe that Rick is turning into a zombie. And he's lying on the couch, and he's he's practically in a in a coma throughout this whole entire episode, which doesn't really make a difference because, because Rick has been pretty much useless for this whole entire season, if not the past two or three seasons. But, he, and, but, he's, been, but he's been farming. He farms Dexter Lumberjacks. These are important careers for our main characters. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but yeah. But I mean, we're going to crack jokes throughout the whole entire episode, taking jabs at probably both Carl and Rick. But, you know, those hoping for a more explosive opener, I think will definitely be disappointed because it's a very slow-paced episode. There isn't any tanks. There isn't any machine guns. There isn't any big explosions. And anyone who hates the actor Chandler Riggs, or at least the character of Carl, will be completely let down. Because this is essentially a brief coming-of-age tale about a young man rebelling against his dad and his dad's incredibly bad decisions. But you know what? I'm just not really interested in this relationship at this point in time. I'm actually kind of fed up with it. And that's my major major problem with The Walking Dead. And so we get the scene in which we're supposed to have this sort of like fake out Rick zombie moment, which never works because it never has anybody actually fooled. I'm surprised that Carl actually believes that he's probably turning into a zombie. And the thing is, I had to rewatch the episode because I, I wanted to know if it was a problem in the delivery of Andrew Lincoln, the actor who plays Rick Grimes. Is it a problem in the delivery of the actor who's playing Carl Chandler Riggs? Is it the direction? I think it's a bit of everything. It just did not work. And it's one of two scenes that did not work in this episode. The second scene, which really did not work for me, is when Rick lies unconscious and near dead on the couch and and Carl starts letting out all his rage. Oh, everything, God. Everything that he's kept inside of him, he just starts letting it out. And thankfully for Rick Grimes, he's like half – he's totally asleep. He's not listening to <laughs> his incredibly humdum – horrible, poorly delivered delivery by and the part of the actor Chandler Riggs. And but unfortunately for us the viewers, we have to sit through it. We have to sit through this five minute scene watching this kid who doesn't have the range as an actor to deliver that kind of dialogue and that kind of performance. And the problem with this episode is it really makes me realize that I do like this actor to some degree. He he seems like a really cool kid and I do like his character. But he just cannot carry an entire episode. And unfortunately this whole entire episode revolves around him. 
But I do have a lot of positive things to say, but I'm going to let Kate speak now. Well, uh, first of all, I don't think this episode revolves entirely around him because I think it's shared very pretty equally, actually, between uh, Carl and Michonne. And to to say that it's all about Carl really negates a significant chunk of the episode that we do spend just with her. And it's sort of the episode, you know, follows the two different sets of people, the, the father and son and the Michonne. And at the end, of course, we had that lovely moment where they there's a coming together of those two I guess groups or that that trio. Uh yeah, the it's for the it's for you moment was after the whole ep- episode had been very sort of bleak and unforgiving in the way the walking dead so frequently is. I will I will say I mean I agree with the majority of what was just said uh, said bashing the episode, but I did think that moment where Rick's just laughing in such disbelief and joy that he finally has a bit of good news and says it's for you. I will admit that moment got me. I thought that uh, well, was well done. If, if you read my review, like I said, I want to just get out the negative right away. I have a lot of positive to say, but if you read my review, I end by writing that the episode's most promising, tender, memorable moment comes in the final minute when Michelle knocks at the front door, when Carl asks, who is it? And Brooke replies, it's for you. And you're right, Kate. I, my, my phrasing was bad. M- the majority of the episode revolves around Carl. And uh, what I, I was surprised, as anyone who's been listening to the podcast for a while will also be surprised to hear this from me, I was surprised to enjoy most of what we got with Carl. I, I would agree that the scene of him yelling at comatose Rick didn't really work. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I, I, it was one of those scenes of, oh, Chandler Riggs, he's trying. And, you know, he's – and a lot of the rest of the episode actually did really work for me in a way that I didn't expect because usually in the past – when I've enjoyed that character, it's when they've let the actor just convey diff- these different emotions physically rather than giving him dialogue. And so this was a big shift for me in that I enjoyed much of what I was seeing with that character, wh- whether it was physical performance or dialogue. So I did actually like most of what we got with Carl this week. And when, when the, his dad tells them not to swear, <laughs> I loved uh, it. It was beautiful. It was hilarious. But yeah. I act- I actually really enjoyed this premiere, and I don't know if other people are going to be happy with it as far as wanting it to have more explosions or, or bigger action set pieces. But given how we left things, it would be incredibly false to kick things off right again with another big action set piece these people are barely alive and so they need time to recover and if that means that we get to spend time with our finally finally the closest we're probably ever going to get to a michonne flashback then i am absolutely on board yeah i I will i will agree with you on that that and you will you uh, just to go quickly back ricky said there weren't any tanks in this episode technically there was a tank in the episode because we got to see the we you got guys to see know the what I'm trying to say, though. There is no time. No, no I, get, I, I get what you're trying to say. But I just wanted to mention that moment because, as you're absolutely right, they have to – they can't have another – essentially ex, another explosive combat scene because we're dealing with the wreckage. And I thought it was actually – I was actually kind of impressed by it because the episode opens – so there's a panning shot, so you, and you can see the tank ruined with the zombies surrounding it and all the desolation surrounding that. And I thought that was a nice little callback to the pilot episode, which ends with the camera panning up to show Rick trapped in the tank in the middle of Atlanta. And I thought that was sort of in, an interesting idea and part of what the epi- this episode was doing, especially in the case of the Michonne plot, to show that things haven't really – that 
we've done they've done so much and come so far, but in the end, things really haven't changed. And Michonne sort of embraces that when she takes two more walkers with no jaws and no arms as her guy as her sentries and walks away into the woods, trying to go back to the way things were before she found uh, Andrea in the woods. I absolutely agree about that shot calling back to the pilot. I was very struck by that actually watching this this premiere or mid-season premiere I should say. But it did this whole episode did make me wonder how much time has actually passed. Obviously enough time for Lori to get pregnant and give birth, but how much I I honestly I don't know. Do you guys know? I, I think I think if we're using Judith as sort of the gauge for it, I think you can go with maybe at least a year. I know there's been, there, they've been through at least one winter because that's what happened between seasons two and three after they left the farm. I don't think it's been a year, though. I think it's been about six months. Well, but it has to have been more because baby. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, even if she, yeah, even if she was pre, even if she, premature, and they, again, they've been through the winter. They said they were going to be coming up on another winter, so they were stockpiling, getting the supplies ready. So it has to have been at least like. Nine to ten, eleven months. Okay. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm not an expert on babies, but it just seems like she's not at that point in her life where she is starting to have teeth and she's starting to eat different food. She still seems like she's relatively within one to six months of age. But um, I, I well, mean, get, well, how much did we actually see Judith in the last season? <laughs> well, we, all, we we saw her for maybe a total of ten minutes throughout all of season four. And she was always sitting in a baby carriage. Like it didn't really seem like she was aging yeah. that much. But uh, I, I feel like that of the many things Walking Dead does not care about, the passage of time is one of them. Yeah, I will because it does make me wonder about then if if they're getting you know we see Michonne like you say, Les, uh, try to go back to what she was doing before, and she can't. She can't do it. She can't handle it. I thought it was a really emotional scene actually when she does just let loose and kill all of those walkers including her two guards that was to me the most genuine moment of the episode because i mean yeah we we complained before about carl and rick's sort of back and forth speeches between each other i actually commented on twitter this is like the worst rendition of the road i've ever seen (laughs) but i thought the michonne's reaction was for once something i perfectly completely understood and accepted yes you should suddenly look around, realize how absolutely batshit this world you're living is, and chopping the head off everything within a 20-foot radius is a perfectly rational expression of that. Mm. You know, you guys mentioned that you liked the callback to the pilot episode in which we got the shot of the tank, and I do agree. It was, you know, I, I did appreciate the callback, but the thing about season four, and if you listen to the past, say, nine episodes of our podcast, I keep on saying that it seems like season four keeps repeating ideas and and storylines and character beats and even dialogue from previous seasons. And I see it again happening in this episode, not to the extent as it did in previous episodes, but I just see them repeating themselves. Um, but I do like the way this episode ended. I didn't expect nor want anything explosive. Uh, and I do think there's a stark contrast to the beginning of season four because we open with a beautiful aerial shot of the aftermath of the prison. The prison's completely destroyed. Everything's on fire. There's zombies running around. And we also get the shot of the governor who is now clearly dead. So that puts to rest any rumors that the government could possibly come back to life. He might reappear as a zombie, you know. No, well, no, he, no, no, he can't because whatever the hell her name was, the one who wasn't the, one who wasn't the lesbian ex-military, shot him in the head. So he can't come back as a zombie. 
And thank God for that. Yeah, and then we also get the incredibly depressing shot of Herschel's head. <laughs> that was hugely both oh, affecting and effective. It was both effectings. <laughs> I just feel so bad for Herschel because he was one of my favorite characters and he got the worst death ever. I mean, even after he dies, he's, we still get to see him suffering in pain. I mean, I don't know if he's actually suffering as a zombie, but it's not exactly the prettiest sight in the world to see his head just like separated I, I, from his body i i admit i to a slight guiltiness i was when she was grabbing her zombies i really was kind of hoping she was going to bring herschel's head around and sort of talk to it in a sort of tom hanks and volleyball style from castaway oh my god that would be horrible horrible i know uh, but help, help, scott wilson could still be picking up a paycheck yeah, but you know, this is again one of those episodes which focuses on fewer characters and telling a more a smaller and more intimate story. Like here, much like the episode Clear, which is by far my second favorite episode of the entire series, my favorite still being the pilot, we follow around three characters for the majority of the episode, and that is Michonne, Rick, and Carl, just like in Clear. And the problem, though, is is that, again, like, I just don't know what it is about Rick Grimes in the TV show. He just doesn't work for me. And if you go all the way back to our podcast when we, when we were podcasting back in season two, I kept on saying that I would have preferred to have Shane stick around than the character of Rick Grimes. And it's not because I have a thing against the actor Andrew Lincoln. I just, I don't know, there's just something about the character. He He's just not exciting to watch. And I, I know I'm not alone because every time I hit up a new website there's a new article about how rick grimes should be taken off the show and yeah, i don't know think... alan yeah alan seppenwall just wrote a, his 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 advanced review for this walking dead season was a whole essay arguing that rick grimes needs to die oh really yeah because the first article i actually stumbled upon was on badass digest and then i saw like four or five more articles within a week talking about how they just wanted to get rid of rick grimes um yeah but the thing about the this uh this episode and at least a the last few episodes, it really does follow the comic book to some extent. Like, it is sort of fateful. Like, Rick Grimes does completely fall apart mentally, physically, you know, at the in the comic book, like... Uh, uh, by the way, we should not say that because some people don't necessarily think she's dead yet and we got called out for spoilers from the comic book for that. But that's not a, that, that's not a spoiler for the no, TV show. No, it's, but it's a spoiler for the TV show if they're following the comic. Because it's saying something that hasn't happened in the TV show yet officially, but it has but happened see, in the comics. See, I, I totally, guys, I, spoiler alert, zombies take over the world. <laughs> I, I totally disagree with that, Kate. I'm not going to actually let that slide because the thing is we don't know what's going to happen in the TV show. We can't speculate. We haven't seen what's coming ahead. And, like, they are changing everything. And based on the last episode, the baby can or cannot be dead. We don't know. But that's clear as day. I'm not... I mean, I don't see how that's a problem or an issue. I mean, there, there's been tons of articles written about if Judith can be alive and or not. Personally, I think she is alive because, I mean, based on the last episode, it just doesn't make sense the way it was staged, the way it was framed, the way it was shot, the way we just see blood in the baby carriage. The baby had to be taken by somebody, by a character who I don't know, but that baby has to be alive. But I, I kind of agree with the uh, point that uh, Alan Seppenwald hit fix raised that if the baby is still alive, it essentially cheapens and invalidates the emotional moments of the mid-season finale. That's, and it's ex just... that's exactly what I said on our last podcast. Like, mm -hmm. if you listen to our last podcast, I went off for about 20 minutes of that. Exactly, exactly what you just said, how that's an incredibly big cheat. And it takes away from what should be an incredibly po emotional, powerful moment from an episode in which a baby dies. Like, 
if the baby dies and then all of a sudden you had this cheat, like ugh, it just it just ruins everything. It makes it even worse. I totally agree. Well, and we had lots of fun talking about that last time, but I do want to <laughs> get back to this this notion of of Rick and. What I think is interesting, and for me the reason, Ricky, that that scene doesn't work with is he a walker, is that Carl may not know he's on a TV show, but the rest of us do. <laughs> and the rest of us know that they're not going to kill Rick, you know, off screen and just have him fade away and then he's a walker and he's dead. So we know that's not going to happen. We know the show isn't willing to do that. And therefore, that that moment has no suspense. And that's true for much of, of what's going on in the show right now. Yes, anyone can die, theoretically, but look who they actually kill. They kill the characters that, that, that are they've destroyed through really unfortunate writing and that who the fans all hate in, mm. in Laurie and Andrea. And they kill no, the wait, old well, guy. Yeah, but, but people, people still people liked Herschel. Yeah, they but they killed the old guy. It's not a surprise when the old guy dies. Yeah, but I mean, but it's not a surprise when anybody dies at this point in time because I mean, the comic book. I would so... be surprised if they killed Rick because I don't think they're willing to do it. Well, if you've read even say five or six issues of the comic book, you wouldn't be surprised if anybody dies because the comic book is even more grim and depressing than the actual TV show. I mean, well, yeah, I know, but as a TV show, as the rules of what a TV show means and what you know, being able to advertise around a central figure like this Rick Grimes figure means, and what I feel like I know about uh, AMC, I don't think AMC is willing to kill Rick Grimes, regardless of what might See be that, best for the story. That's where I think I disagree with you. I don't think they're going to kill off Rick Grimes anytime soon, but the thing is, I think the show is willing to do things that most shows won't do, because it is following, around, following a comic book. It is incredibly successful and popular, and I don't think that even if they were to kill off their main character, it would hurt their ratings whatsoever. Yeah, the main character in The Walking Dead is the zombies. That's what, and basically whenever I try to look at it and try to understand why this show is so successful, the only answer is the zombies. I think the only reason way AMC can get people to stop watching it is if they find a cure for the zombie plague or virus or whatever the hell it is. And I absolutely agree, and I wish they would kill Rick, but I don't think that they think that, which is very, it's, a, it's an interesting uh, game trying to read the minds of people that we don't even know who they are but uh but yeah i absolutely agree about the the rick problem that this show has uh what did you guys think though uh, aside from that one particular dialogue scene i'm curious what you guys thought of the rest of carl's uh scenes this week as well as we got to talk about that michonne dream sequence well oh, yes can, can we talk about the michonne dream sequence first actually can we just go back to carl really quick because i feel like we spent a lot of time on carl so let's just wrap it up and get to Michonne, if that's okay. Sure. Uh, okay. Now, I was okay. Well, I was. I want. I do want to say one quick thing about Carl. To Carl, the scene where he ch where he has the zombies follow him around, and then the third one takes him by surprise. That was one of those Walking Dead moments where I just slammed. I wanted to slam my head against something and say, "You idiots! How are you still alive?" <laughs> and which it, which happens so frequently in Walking Dead. Yeah, he had to dig himself out of under three bodies, having wasted his bullets and turning his dad's warning into a self-fulfilling prophecy when he comes against the next zombie. Which it, has just... happened in previous episodes. As soon as his dad said, you know, you got to save every bullet, we knew it was going to bite him in the ass later in the episode. It was a Chekhov's unloaded gun. Mm -hmm. Which we, we, we've seen it again. Again, 
they're repeating ideas from previous seasons, and that's my problem with season four. But there are some great moments for Carl, and I like I do like the majority of what we get from Carl. I just didn't like the interactions between Carl and Rick. But later on, we see uh, a, a scene, and it's a very subtle, effective moment when Carl discovers a video game system, and it doesn't take long before the smile from his face is completely erased because, A, there's no power, so he can't play the video game system. But then he realizes that he can use the power cord to secure the front door, and keep the walkers out. That was a great moment. And there's also this beautiful moment in which he's sitting on the porch and he's eating the, the chocolate pudding. I oh, love no, little not, moments like that. Yeah, no, but, he's, but he's, not, he's not just on the porch. He's on the roof. So the zombie that he's trapped on the second floor is busy clawing, trying to get at him through the window. <laughs> that Sorry, was hilarious. And, yeah, and then on the no, roof. Those, yeah, those, exactly. those, were both, those were both really good moments. And, it's, and this is what I wrote in my review. It's moments like this that keep me watching The Walking Dead. And I think that each and every single episode, despite all the problems and despite the fact that we complain about the main character week after week, it's still, when it hits its highs, it hits its highs. And even when it doesn't hit its highs, it still has these little subtle moments, these beautiful moments that I just totally appreciate. Going to Michonne, Kate, that was by far the most jarring flashback ever to the point where it came off of a commercial break that I thought, I swear to God, I thought it was a commercial I thought the actress was in a commercial. That Danae Guerrero was actually advertising something. I first, for like the first 30 seconds to the minute, I'm like, this is a commercial in which you're using the actress because they and they just so happen to be premiering the commercial during The Walking Dead. It totally makes sense. And then I realized, no, it's a flashback. Totally bizarre. Well, yeah, it, it was a dream sequence, though. It was a flashback, but it, it was... It was a dreamer because we then we cut to her waking up and that's why it's so jarring. And obviously we don't have any in. We don't know that when we first were watching the scene, but I actually really liked it. I thought, yes, it was jarring, but it was fitting for a nightmare. I thought the moment with Michonne's dream was easily the best part of the whole episode for me because it was a dream sequence executed well. It was very Lynchian in the way the imagery kept changing. First, you have Michonne just chop in her daily life, cutting up food, and then it turns out to be the katana that she's cutting with, which is your first indication, something isn't right here. And then she's talking to her, uh, I guess, her brother and her lover, and first their normal selves, pre-zombie apocalypse, then they're the people at the camp, and then they're the people with their arms cut off, and it's and the fact that Michonne, Michonne doesn't change her tone from being this normal person she's just saying bland things like i'm glad i saw it but i didn't love it and it's just so well executed and to be honest subtle in a way i don't usually expect this show to be wow you use the word subtle oh my god i totally disagree i mean i like i like the flashback slash fever dream whatever you want to call it but like the thing i like about michonne this season is she slowly comes out of her shell i mean we talked about this in previous episodes where she smiles she talks she laughs we get that beautiful moment with her and baby Judith back at the first half of season four. But here we get Michonne's jury journey into the woods with her new pets. Like she has like these two new pets that, you know, yeah, I don't know what you would call them. I'm going to call them new pets. Right. But like the metaphor was so incredibly heavy. <laughs> like, I mean, that, I was just like, OK, I get it. But then I, I, I do like the fact that we are getting insight and we we're getting to understand who this character is and who her past is. And Kate and I have said over and over time and time again, that we would love to see more flashbacks and more insight into the character's past. And we do get that for Michonne in this episode, which I really do like, 
But um, I don't know if it's subtle. I mean, I, I would say it's far from subtle, but I do like uh, I, th- uh, I think it, I'm, I would less. I think that it's it's subtly executed because when you're watching, at least for me, when I was watching it, I went back and watched the scene again because I wasn't sure if I had missed something because Michonne doesn't shift and because the the just the body posture and the uh, the facial hair changes on the two guys, I like looked okay, away sorry. for something. Uh, sorry, I thought she meant the first scene of Michonne walking through the woods with subtle. I don't oh, think no. that's subtle. No, 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 no. That scene is very. I don't. I just, that scene isn't. That's a subtle or understated. That's just her repeating a strategy that works. When I said subtle, I'm talking more just about the understated way that in the dream they gradually shift from being people from before to people in the camps to being her pets. Well, I, I think that flashback slash fever dream does sort of put a bit of context into her relationship with baby Judith. Like, you know, when we see her with the baby in the first half of season four, she begins to tear up and cry. And we do realize that she has lost probably a child in her past, but I'm not entirely sure what the rest of it means, but I kind of like that because it lets the audience come to their own conclusions in the actual comic book. We do get a full on spoilers. No, I'm not going to say what happened. We do get a full-on ex- explanation as to what happened to her in her past. Uh, oh, the Michonne, the Michonne one-off issue. I have that issue. Yeah, and I don't think we're actually going to get that full-on explanation in the TV show, but I don't think we need it. I, yeah, you know, no, I actually, I liked the fact that they like they show that and to give us enough context for what she was like before, and then she's just sort of quietly talking to his memory, and she just says these lines about, uh, you didn't have to... I can't remember the exact context, but she's basically saying you didn't have to do what you did. He might still be here. And the general sense that something happened in the camp she was with before they became her pets and probably cost her son his life that they're just going to let us guess about it. Exactly. And I do love, love the ending of this episode because I think we need more happy notes, not to mention moments of calm reflection and humor. And that's what I liked about that final delivery when Rick says it's for you. And I'm hoping that the rest of the season sort of shifts in tone because I think the season, the series does need to liven up a bit. I mean, like when, when you invite viewers week after week to watch the show from, you know, the comfort of their own home, I don't know. Like, I I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I just feel like a lot of people just complain about how incredibly depressing and dark it is. And they just want some moments of levity and humor. And I don't know. I think that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, And I think Scott M. Gimple can deliver it. And I think that's what he's going for. And this episode, we should mention, is uh, written by Robert Kirkman and directed by Greg Nicotero. And Greg Nicotero usually does a fantastic job in directing his episodes, at least visually. And I love those small visual moments that we get throughout the whole entire episode, like the way we see a sign that reads Sam's room. And it just makes you think about who lived there and who this character Sam is. And also we get the note when the note left behind by someone asking to end what they couldn't end themselves. Yeah. yeah, Funnily, I think the thing that just sort of stuck out at me the most was that scene in, uh, in the kitchen where Carl's about to get the giant tub of pudding and there's just this wooden plaque up on the wall that had this word Freya or something like that. And I had to, that that just caught my eye and I had to look it up and it turns out that that was the Danish word for Friday. And that just seemed like such a wonderful little aside detail of just what the, that this was a house that people lived in and they had their own connections to very strange things. Yep. Yeah, I I would just have to I have to mimic what the two of you have said. I did absolutely love 
that delivery just the the whole last bit because i i kept waiting i was like are they gonna have her find them or are they gonna save that for later and i was so glad that not only that 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 final moment was beautiful but also just the moment of her seeing them and and taking the moment to enjoy that herself to yeah, just for, breathe to, to see someone crying happy tears for once on the show yeah absolutely before you know and just to enjoy that moment and then to then to make her presence known and not like bang on the window or with anything harsh but with such a, a polite and gentle knock on the door. It was really nice. Well, it's because moments like that make us care for the characters, but also more importantly, make us care for the character relationships. Like we actually care about her relationship with Rick and with Carl. And that's been a problem with the walking dead in the past where we just don't give a shit about their relationships. Like they seem to hate themselves and each other. And we don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's hard <laughs> and, to and- care for people that hate each other. To the point that, and to the point, we actually keep forgetting some of these people, and it's it's kind of amusing. Uh, when Carl's ranting about everyone that Rick got killed, I half expected him to just start listing off a few names of people T-Dog. who died. <laughs> hey, no, hey, he should have mentioned T Dog. Killing off T Dog is this show's worst crime. Never forget. <laughs> Never forget. Come on, do you actually think Carl remembers his name? <laughs> Oh, my goodness. We all remember T-Dog. T-Dog is us. <laughs> but, but in answer, but again, just to sort of wrap that point, I was just would have been very amused if he kept listing off names of people from season two or three who have died, and then everyone would have just been, oh, wait, who were those people again? You see, I, I could actually use some dialogue like that. Like, I remember in the last episode, my favorite line was like, he killed somebody with a giant sword. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> Oh, actually, no, no. The line was, he chopped off his head with a giant sword. I was like, yes, that's awesome, because that's what somebody would actually say in that moment. <laughs> yeah. They'd probably insert a few, oh, fuck, he chopped off his head, but yeah. it's still a basic cable. What are you going to do? Yeah. Well, do we have any final thoughts about, about this episode or about maybe, I guess, what we're hoping to see in the next string of episodes? Do you guys think we'll get several more like this with each of the different parties, or do you think they're going to bring the group together in the next week or two? That's actually what I'm, re- I'm I'm really hoping for the former in this case, even though, again, one of my speaking of being connection, I, I com- I've completely forgotten what the combinations were that split off from the rest of the, like, wh- how people have been scattered and divided. Oh, oh can but we I- talk about this? Let, let's oh. just reflect. So there was Glenn that went on a bus with a bunch of old people and kids whose names we do not know. And then there was, um, oh my God, there's Car- Oh my God. Carol's kids. I totally <laughs> forgot about Carol's kids. Yeah, there, there was a kid that ran off with, um, Therese. No, Therese. Yeah. And Therese. And, and what was the other girl's name? Oh my God. I can't remember. Uh, Sasha. Well, yeah. Okay. So whatever they Sasha, ran off. Was, I think, I think D'Angelo was with him. I know his mm-hmm. character has a different name, but he's D'Angelo. And, <laughs> and Daryl ran off with, I would love to say Maggie. I want to say Maggie and Beth, right? And no, Beth. I, I, I think he did go off with Beth. I'm not sure if he had Maggie with him. Oh no, I think he went off with both women, and uh, because she got split up, she got split from uh, Glenn, and she wasn't anywhere near Tyree. So yeah, it's, I think the next episode, honestly, I think they're going to give us Daryl, Maggie, and Beth. That's what I think we're going to get. We might get also a bit of Tyrese, but 
I would laugh if we only get to see Glenn in the bus like on episode three or four because nobody gives a shit. I really want to see episode open up and Glenn is just walking desolate because Glenn somehow got the whole bus killed and he never explains how. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it's funny you said it. You should have been on our last podcast because on the last podcast, I think we all said that why didn't they just blow up the bus because all of those characters are useless. They have a fucking tank. Just blow up the bus kill off those characters and we don't need to deal with them anymore because one of the problems with, uh, with with the end of season three is we get all these characters who we don't know who we don't care about who we never get to know we never get introduced to and all yeah. of a sudden we go through a whole entire half season we still have not seen these people except for when they get on the bus or when or when they wind up randomly just getting eaten when one of the prison blocks gets overrun by <laughs> not harry potter what <laughs> did you say harry potter no not harry potter because not harry that, potter yeah i just remember that kid had glasses yeah, <laughs> and he was um, really impressed by Daryl because who wouldn't be? It's Daryl. It's true. Um, in terms of what I want to see in future episodes, I mean, I've already made it clear. I, I really want them to get rid of Rick Grimes, although I don't think they will. I want to see more of more of Daryl, like who does it, and more of Michonne. And I want to see more of the standalone episodes. I want to see more flashbacks, and I want to see Abraham. That's right. Abraham is coming. Mm-hmm. All I know is the name and the casting, and I don't know anything about the character, but that casting has me very uh, interested and uh, looking forward to whatever that's going to bring. Yeah, See, I, I, don't yeah. Know. I, I, haven't, I haven't read that far in the comics, but I mean, you put Michael Cudlitz in your TV show. I'm going to watch Michael Cudlitz on your TV show. I was just about to say I don't know who the casting was. All right, now I know. <laughs> oh, good. Go forth yeah, so... and watch Chaos, Southland, last, last year. Wonderful episode. You will instantly regret it oh wait okay sorry for a minute i thought you were actually endorsing us to watch that short-lived cbs show chaos with Freddie no Rodriguez. no no <laughs> so I, slightly I, different I, I don't know why i even remember that existed but yeah so going back to walking dead yeah i would like to see more vignette episodes i suppose for lack of a better term episodes where we only deal with two or three people because frankly i think the characters are to the point where when everybody's in one place together it's boring when the episode has to split between three or four different groups of people. It's boring. Give the episode over to a couple a couple people at a time and see how it works. I mean, this episode had boring parts, but the fact that we got all that solo Michonne time and even chunks of that solo Carl time, I think it worked for the show overall. Yeah, I think this episode works overall, but I still do think that Chandler Riggs is not the best actor. He doesn't have the emotional range. I don't think he can carry the majority of an episode. I like him best when he has little dialogue. Like, I think he's good in delivering uh, facial expressions, like physically emoting, like, what he feels. But I don't know, when it comes to him delivering dialogue, it just doesn't work. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm wrong. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think he's that good of an actor? I think he... I, I don't, don't know. He is. I I feel like the show has done a really good job sort of redeeming Carl as to, into more of a character, like the sort of Carl's a budding sociopath dead inside arc that they pursued with that character in the last half season season. That's been a better development for the character. I don't think he's a, I don't, I agree. I don't think he's that good of an actor, but I think that it's possible with, as it is with most actors to write something that works for them. And I think maybe one reason I was a little bit, annoyed by Carl this season was they sort of got away from the, this episode, sorry, was they sort of got away from the Carl badass killer thing. Mm -hmm. I, I think, uh, I think he's getting better. Uh, Chandler Riggs is getting, he's gotten much better and he's, I think he's a kid. So he's, you know, he's learning as he goes and it's, uh, 
he might not be ready for the soliloquy yet. So maybe they should have oh. rethought that. But but I do think he has dr- improved dramatically, and I'm far more interested in the Carl we see this week than I was in the Carl we saw last year, last the season before that. And so my my affinity for that character, especially when they put him with Michonne, like I'm guessing we may get again, as we did in Clear. I I care a lot more about that character in that those kinds of settings. So. I think he's improving is, I guess, what I'll, where I'll leave that. You know but... what I wonder? I wonder if when they cast the actor to play Carl, Chandler Riggs, if they never actually intended on him surviving as long as he did. And somehow because of, a diff- you know, change over in showrunners and I don't know, maybe not, but maybe they just kept his character around for so long. Because, I mean, I always think about this. We talked about this too in the past in which, you know, the kid is aging rapidly and i'm wondering how long it's going to take before he looks like he's 16 17 years old but he's supposed to be 12 years old because he's already looking like he's 14 15 oh and he so, is four, uh, he is 14 well yeah in real life but he's not his character is not supposed to be that old in the actual comic book in the tv show i believe he's only supposed to, he's no there's no way he's past 12 not even i mean i believe he was like in elementary school right am i wrong i i I don't. Uh, was not I in don't high know. School. He was not in high school, so I, I don't. I don't know how long they can possibly keep his character around, and that's yeah, like, yeah. Man, I suppose they can sort of try to take the Game of Thrones excuse of this is a world where kids have to grow up a lot faster. But it's they're pushing. I mean, we talked about. I think we did talk about this when we talked about Game of Thrones, and I was on the podcast. It's pushing it there, and I think, and it would be pushing it here too. But as I, again, as I said earlier, the passage of time is not one of the things Walking Dead is overly concerned with. But, you know, there, there's two shows this year which have completely, like, reworked their whole storyline characters. And, I mean, I don't watch The Good Wife. This is what I'm told. But I'm, I'm going to actually speak about Archer, where Archer completely took its characters and totally changed their occupation and everything. Like, this and entire it, season is completely different in previous seasons, and it's completely worked. It's like a, it, it feels like a oh. reboot. Oh, it is amazing. That episode, it's the episode last week with, 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 where Pam on the cocaine rage is basically the best the show's been since the episode with the dead Italian prime minister. Totally. It's so I, I think it's, it's by so far, good. It's so by Archer, far. Arch, Archer Vice is pretty much, I don't, I don't see a way that doesn't crack by top 10, even with how early it is in the year. Totally agree. I think it's by far the best comedy hands down and i think white elephant was a fantastic episode which rebooted the whole entire series i could see the walking dead doing the exact same thing where they completely reboot get rid of all these old characters and start afresh with and still follow the comic book because they can still follow technically well that, well that, well i don't think they're going to do that though because they've already announced the walking dead spinoff so they're going to have another show in this universe with completely different people so they don't really need to reboot this one they've got another one they can do that on which brings me back once again to the last podcast if anyone has listened to it i recommend you go back and listen to it but we we talked about them on the last podcast where i think that that spinoff show has much more potential than this walking dead tv show because they have creative license to actually go and change things to like I mean, even here on The Walking Dead, they do change some things, but they do to some they do try as best as they can to stick to the comic book storyline and the characters. The spinoff show excites me because they can do anything. They can they can shoot it anywhere in the world. They can they can it could take place in Alaska, which it probably won't, but it could. You know, it could it could take place in France. It it had I mean they could just do whatever they want. They could even include characters like Carol, characters that we love, or characters like Morgan, who was in the pilot episode and the episode Claire, which is something I'm really hoping to see. So I'm really actually excited for 
the spinoff series, if it involves the same people who produce this show, who do the special effects, who maybe the composer and the cinematographers and the directors, I think that could be an amazing show. I can buy that. We'll have to see what they come up with. But as soon as we start talking about dead Italian prime ministers, I know it's time to end the podcast. So Les, thank you so much for coming on. Where can our listeners find you online? Uh, you can find my writing at the AV Club. I'm currently re- reviewing Cougar Town and Enlisted, among a few other things here and there. And you can also find me on Twitter at L-E-S-I-S-M-O-R-E-9, letter O, 9. That's uh, less is, at Less is More 909. And thank you again, Les, for coming on. Next week, we'll be back with another episode of the Sound Outside Walking Dead podcast. We'll be talking about the second episode of this this second batch of eight. So episode 10 of season four, that's Inmates, written by Matthew Negrete and Channing Powell, directed by Trisha Brock. So we'll be back next week with another fabulous guest to discuss that episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Hey, you! Fresh meat! Right here. Come and get it. Let's take a walk. Keep up. Sit. He's coming. Very good. Oh, he's coming. One. Right here. Look at me. There you go. Come on. That's it. Fear what you found. Unaware the 